Hi, uh, I'm Alice Lai. And I'm Molly Curran. And welcome to the Halloween episode of Story Guts. Ooh. Where, where, where are we... the... Oh, you're going... Oh, right. Wait, wait. Uh, where we explore what the scares we love. Love about us? <laughs> wait, the, the scary stories we tell. Tell about us. About scary us. About scary us. Um... Well, it's a it's a good thing it's a once a year kind of thing I guess we'll we'll have a uh, twelve months to try to try to workshop that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, and as appropriate for the Halloween episode, uh, we thought that we would just talk about just scares in yeah. general. Yeah. Uh, not. I mean, you could, in fairness, say we've done a vampire episode, we've done a werewolf episode, we've done a haunted house episode. Yeah. Um, so all of those are like spook adjacent, mm-hmm. but this is just like just straight up. We're like... getting into the chewy scoop spook core. Exactly. <laughs> like we're we're looking at the ingredients in, but I think but I think what is interesting and I'm just going to jump right into it yeah. is that a lot of the scary movies that I've seen that sort of stay with me don't really have. I think ghosts maybe, but like vampires and werewolves. Um, I don't really think of, like, I think of, or zombies, even. Um, I, like, It Follows a lot, um, which we'll go into a little bit more. I really like The Curse, um, or Noroi, N-O-R-O-I, which I haven't shown Molly, because I feel like it really freak her out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another one of my favorites, and both of them are definitely more about, I guess, like, It Follows is about, like, a, is more like a demon, I guess, figure. Yeah. And um, Noroi is more about, like, ghosts and satanic rituals, um, but really utilizes kind of unsettling imagery in a really effective way. So something I wanted to kind of... What what we're trying to talk about during this episode is kind of what is the... It's a niche for scary movies. Like, it's a movie that's designed to provoke unpleasant feelings, mm-hmm. but we don't have, like, here's a movie that will make you real angry... Like, we don't... That might exist, I don't know. Well... But yeah, it's not the same kind of genre. I mean, and I really don't get it. I am not a horror movie person. I don't really particularly enjoy watching them. I don't like being scared. I don't like roller coasters. Like, mm-hmm. I, I that that feeling of, a, like, adrenaline, like, pouring into your body, like, that's horrible. I don't know why people voluntarily, the, voluntarily, like, experience that. The thrills. You're not a fan of the thrills or the chills. Exactly. And I mean... Like, the thing that's funny about me is, like, well, maybe this is obvious, but, like, my favorite horror movies are ones that aren't really all that scary. Um, So, like, we watched Get Out yesterday, Mm -hmm. and, like, I thought it was really, really good, really excellent. But it wasn't, like, I mean, it was scary, but not in the, um, more in the humanity way, Uh and less in the, uh, like, 
evil ghost is going to right. rip your face off kind of way. More, more of like the the bottom dropping out. You're like, yeah. oh god, get out of there. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, like I also liked It Follows, but I didn't find It Follows particularly scary. Mm-hmm. Um, the Babadook, I did find scary when we watched it, but not the most scary of all things ever. <laughs> um, sure, sure. You know. So. The ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you did not enjoy. That I did was not like... enjoy the ring. I can tell you all about my ring experience later if we're talking about... Uh, Traumatizing scary yeah, stories. Yeah, we're talking about like horror and that, that getting that full-on horror experience mm-hmm. in the theater and everything. And one thing we actually pro- won't really be talking about are violent scary movies because I'm actually... A huge wimp, like, I, physical violence is really, uh, makes me avert my eyes. So that's, like, I haven't seen the Saw series, I haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I actually haven't seen a lot of, like, mainstream Western horror. So, like, I haven't seen Jason, I haven't seen Chucky, I haven't seen Philip. Philip? Friday. Friday the 13th. Friday 13th. Freddy. Freddy. Freddy, Freddy Cougar. Cougar. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I saw one of them. Um, um, see, and the ones I want you to see are kind of in that genre, genre but I want you to see Scream. Because it's... Interesting. It's, it, it is a slasher movie, but it's a like self-aware oh, slasher. slasher movie. Right, yeah. And I think I should see Scream because it's like it's the progenitor of the Western... Horror in many ways, right? I wouldn't say it's the progenitor. I'd like say a, it was in, it's in conversation with the... It's the progenitor of the sort of the modern um, sort of like funny, like humorous mm-hmm. horror or like like Cabin in the Woods mm-hmm. would probably not exist without Scream. Right. Scream is the, the thing where every person in the movie knows they're in a horror movie basically and is saying, you know, follow the rules. The the people who have sex are going to die first. The people who wander off alone are going to die. Like, mm-hmm. um, and and trying to sort of stick to these rules, these cinematic rules in their own um, horror world that they <laughs> happen to right. end up living in. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's really like that's really funny because that is like very much the setup for Cabin in the Woods, which I think you might enjoy. I mean, I don't think it's particularly scary. Yeah, I probably would like it. Um. I mean, if you could get over the fact that it's made by Joss Whedon, but... I mean, I've seen many things made by Joss Whedon that I enjoy. Yeah, My fair personal enough. distaste for Joss Whedon has not stopped me from... Okay, fair. ...enjoying his, some of his things. Yeah. And I, I mean, Buffy was... Buffy, Dollhouse, yeah. Firefly. I don't know about Firefly. Yeah, Firefly doesn't hold up as well for me, but... See, I, I've never really got it. It was fun when I watched it, but I'm not like... Slathering for a remake. Slavering. (laughs) Slavering. No, I'm the same. Um, But anyway, that's aside the point. Please don't send us angry emails about how Firefly is amazing. It's it's okay. It's fine. We know everyone knows that. It's good. We don't need. Yeah, we don't need to rehash like how good Firefly is. Like, is it a you know point eight or point nine out of one? Whatever. Um, Weird scale, but okay. <laughs> but um, sort of going back to what I said at the beginning, um, why we watch horror, like as a person who seeks out psychological horror, I, w- I have to think it's it's a way of um, experiencing extreme emotions in a very controlled environment, like roller coasters or like uh, one of those things where they drop you, you know. Uh-huh, those things are evil. <laughs> um, and that these are... These are 
movies designed to sort of ring ring you out, but in a way that makes you feel like I deserve that, like a massage that really hurts, and you're like, <laughs> I'm so much more relaxed now. This one's like they're forcing you to confront certain primal worries or fears, or like, or or just expose aspects. It's like this very blunt. You know, blunt instrument therapy. <laughs> I mean, you're, what you're saying basically is that it's a tearjerker for your anxiety or something. <laughs> that's actually an excellent, excellent point. Yeah, I guess that's like kind of what I'm talking about. Um, sort of thinking about the ones I like, like you know, Noroi is a lot of really spooky imagery, a lot of like uh, things circling around. Like, things we can't see, infestations, like, contagion we can't see. Um, other ones, like, uh, the ring, similarly. And I guess this is also one of the reasons I'm less interested in, um, you know, a lot of people talk like, oh, this is all jump scares. And I think, like, jump scares don't really, they don't they don't go deep enough for me. They're just like, you got me. Like, I did <laughs> not expect that face at the window. Um, which is fun. Uh but I think, like, something that, <laughs> like, Molly's making a face, like, mm, I don't know if fun's the right word for that. Um, but it's not something like this exercise. It's like, I don't know, this, like, this flexing of uh, an unused muscle of unease um, in a safe setting. Like, I, you know, I get plenty of anxiety in normal-ass situations. <laughs> but this one, it's like hey, that figure has been following them for an awful long time, right? Well, okay, so here's my question then. You you say, like, a horror movie is um, a safe place to experience these emotions, but, like, don't you have that thing where once it's over, you're still experiencing them? Right. Or, like, you rec- it recurs, maybe this is just me, but, like, no, no, for no. I, The Ring, for years... I could not have a television in my room. I mean, I still can't have a television in my room because of the ring. I wouldn't want to have one anyway, but, um, like, like, it wasn't just like, oh, here's this fun experience, now it's over. Like, it literally was, like, writ upon my soul. <laughs> wow, I'm, those are loud laughs. Um, I don't know how it was so quiet last time. Anyways, uh, I mean, that's a good point. Like, and... It's definitely happened to me, like, you know, horror movies I've seen have lingered with me and have, like, made me, like, oh, that's a dark hallway or or whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to quickly nail down an explanation for I, I like experiencing these as much. Um, and I don't, yeah, and, I like, I don't know really why, like, I seek out this experience. Um, like, I don't know, spicy food. Like... Some people like spicy food, even though it brings them considerable pain or something. That's true. I do like spicy food. But so. it is the flavor, and it does it does stay with you. It does come back to haunt you. <laughs> <It does>. So <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so the, the spicy food, of and the, you know. I mean, yeah, and in fairness, like lots of things stick with you. Like it's not just scary things. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe it's just for me those emotions are so unpleasant that, like, them recurring feels, like, um, gets in the way of me living my life. Because I'm like, I can't look under my sink because what if there's a horrifying dead girl under there? Oh, yeah. Thanks, 
Tale of Two Sisters. Um, <laughs> but, or but is... like, you know, thinking sadly about, um, you know, the end of, well, I, w- I would try to say some, like, dramatic, sad movie, but I, I, I don't watch serious movies. Um, remembering Jane. What the hell is remembering Jane? That's the one Jane? with Alzheimer's, the most tragic. Oh, okay. You know, degenerative. Sure. Um, or what, whatever. Or like. The Notebook. I've never seen the I've notebook. I've never seen the but... notebook either. Oh, okay, good. I mean, I've never um, seen it. I was just well. Okay, regardless, whatever, Titanic. whatever serious movie that you watched. Um, I feel like the last serious movie I watched was like Winter's Bone in two thousand ten or whatever. Ooh. Um, so okay, you're still thinking about Winter's Bone because it was so good and like so moving. Um, and like maybe you're sad or like have some sort of intense feelings around that. But for for some reason, it does feel different to me than like being like oh, shit, I can't open my closet because there might be a scary dead girl in it. Mm-hmm. Also, Tale of Two Sisters. <laughs> really, really a lot of negative associations with Tale of Two Sisters. Uh-huh. Uh, which I, am I right in that Kai kind of left in the middle of it when we watched it? I know, I know she was, like, there. She did. For... She did leave in the middle of it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kai. <laughs> but I think that's a good point is, like, these, the way they stick with you and bite you or, like, the the way you're so scared afterwards is because of an overactive imagination. Like you're you're more, you're like you know there's no reason there would be a you know dead girl under the sink, or there's no reason that this like horrifying figure will pop out like at me in this dark hallway, or someone will seize me in this dark hallway. But you can't <laughs> you can't say that it's definitely not going to happen. Like, a, a very primal part of your brain is on edge. Um, and maybe it's this exercise of imagination. Maybe this is just some kind of, like, masochistic, like, I need to feel. Um, but ultimately, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was thinking of um, maybe diving in. You know, I'm not a scholar, far from it. Uh, but I think it's a very interesting question, like, why do we look to scare ourselves? Like, there's this very famous, um, playthrough of a video game called Amnesia, uh, where there's this guy playing with his, and, you know, his friends are kind of, he's in the same, like, voice Skype channel as his friends, and he's, like, just scared shitless. He's, like, shrieking, and he's yelling, and it's really funny. Um, and, like, at one point, his friends are, like, sort of, like, are you all right? Because he's, like, gibbering to himself Mm -hmm. out of fear but like he plays through it like apparently he's having a good time um and i think people would just sort of if if you you can't dig more than like two whys deep like why do you play video games like these scary movies or what play Mm -hmm. these scary video games like oh yeah like i like feeling scared it's like why do you like feeling scared and it's like i don't know like (laughs) makes me feel alive I I think part of it like when I have enjoyed watching horror movies or like I used to go to those like spooky haunted houses you know with my friends in high school um or like corn mazes where they chase you with um oh my god chainsaws I've never done that okay well the midwest things happen there um (laughs) so the thing that was enjoyable about that was when you get this like surge of like fear what happens when it passes and you realize that it's all just fake Mm. is you laugh. Like there's so much relief Mm -hmm. that like the only reaction is like laughter and there's something like 
joyous about that, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, I don't so much feel that anymore. But like, I do, <laughs> I do, I do remember that. Like when I do want to, I, I, I have a rule. I watch one horror movie a year. Um, it's gonna be broken this year, I think. We watch Get Out. All right. Okay, I do want to see it, so we'll watch it when it comes out. All right. Okay. Okay. I guess. Uh, anyway, so um, what was I saying? Oh, so because I do, I, there is something about I, that I do find a little bit enjoyable, but I think um, it it really has to walk a fine line for me because if it's like I have to have that like, you know, okay, then I can laugh because it's not right. real, and if any part of me is still like, but what if it is? Um, <laughs> then that means that I don't get to sleep ever again. So, <laughs> so so you you really need something you have that you have plausible deniability, that you can sort of put yeah. the lid back on. Yeah. Or that I can figure out the logic of the movie so that it doesn't mm. um, scare me in the same way. Um, like Shudder? Or... Shudder. There's also a movie called The Others. I may have talked about it already because I, I really liked it. It has Nicole Kidman. It's like a very good film and it's a horror movie. First time I thought it was so, so scary. But once you figure out the logic of the movie... To me, it just stopped being scary. You still get your jump scares or whatever, but the overall like concept stopped being like uh, haunting. If you'll mm-hmm. forgive the <laughs> forgive the fun, yeah, right. Like a uh, Ouija, you're like, well, if I don't give my psychically inclined daughter access to a Ouija board, I'm good. <laughs> what is this? Oh, I watched. It was not a very good horror movie. It was um. Ouija the Origins. Oh, I do remember when that was coming out. Right. Um, I saw it with Jane. Uh, and it was just not very... It was just not very good. And what? And the reason we all, we went to see it was because all the reviews were like, this is much better than the, than the original Ouija movie. But the original Ouija movie had a single-digit Rotten Tomatoes score. So mm. I feel like they could have also said that. They could have also mentioned the bar is extremely low. <laughs> And uh, so I kind of want, and then we, there's also movies like um, Crimson Peak, which kind of flirt with the aesthetic, but uh, aren't actually sc- that scary. Like, yeah, that was another movie I, I enjoyed a lot, but it's not really scary, other than a couple, like, creepy moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Crimson Peak, I think, um, I liked it a lot. Like, I think they're, I think like, plot-wise, it's 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 serviceable like it's it's a decent movie i think the visuals are really good though and to me it's just a very it's like the platonic ideal of a gothic romance like it just is like if you're like what's a gothic romance be like here watch this this is a gothic romance uh-huh. like this is yeah, the true. modern equivalent of what um that girl in in northanger abbey is reading that's like getting her imagination all excited <laughs> right i love i love the the red clay is really yeah. really something too and for the and i wanted to sort of do some deep dives into some some movies i particularly particularly liked um and ones i've also seen with molly so that she has something to say <laughs> but Can as, talk about some that i haven't seen sure i mean as as they come to me but i mean definitely um it follows has cons- been considered more of like the great kind of master like recent horror mm-hmm. masterpieces it's really been at the top of just about every list for horror movies and we watched this last year i want to say it was last year um and that was the horror movie of the of the yeah. year for last year which was like a decent one um i thought this was such an interesting movie for so if, if you don't know 
uh, the the summary of it follows is basically that um, there's if you have there's a demon pursuing someone, and the only way to like get them off your tail is if you have sex with someone. At which point the demon starts pursuing that person, but if the demon catches up to that person and kills them, it will start pursuing you again. So it's basically like a very it's like a chain letter mixed with an STD with mixed with a ghost. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think um, the description doesn't really do it justice because it's it sounds very tawdry. Like it sounds like a very um, odd sex romp setup. But the actual movie does deals with this kind of this horror really well. Like the the demon is invisible or it can take on the shape of anything. So you, but it's like always approaching. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that stuck out to me about it was that it's 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 always just walking, like it's never running. It's never. It's like kind of just a slow walk toward you. But the thing is, it never stops walking, and mm-hmm. it's always coming straight for you. So, like, however far you go, like, it could catch up. It might be in four years, mm-hmm. but it never stops coming for you. It's always on its way to you um just sort of like walking along (laughs) it's like yeah just pursuing um and i think that was just such a distillation of both the fear of being pursued the the idea like you can't run away and also combined with like this uh conversation about sexuality like the the sexuality of the main character and how i don't know i mean to be honest I don't know what to make of the sort of sexual component of the movie. I've I've definitely heard people say that they find it really feminist in some way. I've heard people say that absolutely not. (laughs) Like, it's, it's a, even if it's sort of some kind of commentary on, like, having a demon pass, like, via sex is an incredibly sort of, like, stigmatizing way of talking about STIs. Mm-hmm. If that's what it's talking about, I don't think that's quite what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I really don't know what to do with the, the element, the sort of sex element of the movie, which yeah, is a big fair. part of it. Yeah, um, that's... So, I don't know. I, I mean... If you have thoughts, I'd be really I, interested. I think I don't have any very coherent thoughts. I mm-hmm. think the... Like, I I sort of think about a lot of things sort of above that level, like this idea of... Um, like how do you pa- like how do you safely pass it on? Like you, how do you like the the idea of this curse that you have to inflict to keep yourself alive? Um, and the, you're right. Like I don't I don't really know what to make of the sex part. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that was that was a, a a component of the ring too, right? How do you pass it on? Right, you have to show the video to someone else, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and that's how you live. And so they have to show the video to someone else, so on, so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what is the difference between that and it being sort of sexually transmitted? I mean, there is a difference. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think, I don't know, it's, it, it, it and I, have, I feel like it has to be inextricably linked to the form that the, the sort of um, curse takes, which is this, like, relentless pursuit. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to put those two things together, but I think they are linked. Like, do you want to say that it's, and, you know, apologies to the It Follows fans out there who are 
dying You're at just us. Just like screaming at us, bumbling. Like, this through. is what it obviously means. Like, like, I'm an you... English major. I really should. I mean, I'm an English PhD student. I really should be able to like come up with a. I mean, the the easiest way is like this is the talk town talk, like rumors mm-hmm. or something that like the the literal death we're talking about rep- symbolically representing like the death of your reputation, mm-hmm. like especially as the main character is a woman and she is like she's like i gotta pass this on to someone else but like one um i don't want to have sex with just any random person um and then like doom them but i also want to have sex with someone who's like aware of the consequences of this and i think these are two interesting um considerations when you look at the macro scale like um as you know as a young woman who has sex early or maybe even like not even often maybe even just once Mm -hmm. um you can, you know, the target of rumors, target of, like, you know, the uh, dissolution of your friend and family support network uh, for this trivial act, really. Um, I'm wondering whether there is something there and sort of tying uh, the politics of, because sex is an extremely charged act, like making a VHS for your friend is not a charged act unless they're a snitch. Um, In this case, she's like, I have someone who I kind of like, but not all that much. I have someone who, like, I really don't like at all, but, like, really, like, seems to believe me, and, you know, I, I could have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that adds, adds the, adds an element of weight to the decision to, to inflict this curse on someone else. Yeah, I think that's a really cogent reading of, of, of the film. Um, and like the the victims we see are all around the same age. They're all around like tw- I want to say twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And there's also I I don't know I don't know this isn't really related but there's something weird about the entire feeling of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's this odd futuristic quality at times because they have these like. Um, handheld devices that aren't oh yeah cell phones like we have they sort of look like um makeup compacts or something but they're they're like obviously technically technologically advanced so it's it's kind of this like alternate or like alt future or something (laughs) um and just the way that it's filmed it was filmed in detroit i believe um and sort of the way that it uses the space of detroit to create this like feeling of um emptiness really a lot Mm -hmm. of emptiness um is uh very effective Mm -hmm. like like the idea of i think what it follows accomplishes really well is that it's it puts nothing between you and the curse like the emptiness like there there's also something to be said about the setting of it follows like well, I said it's filmed in Detroit, so what we do get are we do get um, kind of suburbs. Mm-hmm. We do get um, we do get like empty parking lots. We just get these spaces that are that were meant for more people, mm-hmm. um, but are just under capacity. Uh, and I think there's something just very the emptiness of suburbs is something that comes up in a lot of uh, Western horror films and properties a lot like the class i, I want to say in a stephen king book there's a classic like 
a woman's runs from her father who's trying to kill her like down in a suburban street and just no one's around like you have all these spaces that are occupied but like no one's coming to help mm-hmm. you don't even know if anyone lives there yeah it's the it's the physical emptiness but also the spiritual emptiness of the suburbs or like mm-hmm. emo- i don't know right right these these emotionally uh this physically isolated, emotionally isolated pockets. Like you're, you live in a house, but you don't necessarily live in a community. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know your neighbors. I know it's the cool thing to do these days, mm-hmm. but you don't have to know these neighbors. And that's, that's part of it. It's like between like what's going to stop it between you and it, right? Mm-hmm. There's um no one's coming to stop it. No one, you know, no one else can see it, but that's also, that's almost besides the point. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's very effective for what it does. And for, and you know, I'm glad you brought up the makeup mirror thing again, because I was just, I completely forgot about that, that uh, one of them's like treating it like an e-reader mm-hmm. and it takes like a few seconds for me to understand what was, what I was looking at. There's, it's just so, I think it's so striking the way it is about emptiness, the way about the, the visual, I think, of just a stranger in the distance, just mm-hmm. walking purposefully towards you. And I think, and that's something that, you know, you looking at physical spaces, like when you're walking down the street and someone's behind you and you walk a little faster and, you know, at some point they just like, they're tur- they turn a corner yeah, and you're like, I'm just being silly, but you're not wrong <laughs> to be afraid. That's also the thing. Like, uh, like mean, there's stories of women. Yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, I was just say I I used to work um, at a cafe as a baker, and I had to go in at five in the morning, and so I would walk to work from my apartment, which was like about five ten minutes away. Um, you know, at four fifty or whatever, and the thing that scared me more than anything was if I saw another person. Like, the streets should have been empty. Mm-hmm. And if I saw another person out on the streets with me, like, walking, it was, like, so, so scary. Mm-hmm. Um, for no, I mean, not for no reason, but, um, you know, it... it... <laughs> I mean, <it's... laughs> But it was, like, it was, it was a very different kind of fear. Like, I think, I don't know, there's something... I want to say about sort of American and maybe specifically more like Midwestern or like less urban um, fears around just like the the wide open space, the the emptiness mm-hmm. that is. I mean, in New York City, you okay? I know everybody goes down like empty alleyways and stuff, but there's kind of always like people, mm-hmm. um, and so that's a different kind of fear of like being overlooked as you are being attacked or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's this fear that I think has to do with how much space there is that's just empty and unused um, in the middle part of the country and sort Mm -hmm. of in less urban spaces where it's, it's like freaky to think about like being out there alone or worse, being out there not alone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, You know, so I think that's why we get the, the sort of iconic images of sort of the, the the sort of creepy farmhouse fields mm-hmm. um the empty suburban street mm-hmm. um just these 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 spaces that in one context could have been full but 
are not mm-hmm. right like a suburb at you know dead at night early in the morning um yep <laughs> no i mean i think i like i like this idea um there's a certain feeling that like this is not how we're supposed to live like this is like we're trespassing i think this is this is what i want to say is that in those spaces you feel like you're trespassing you're you're in a space that doesn't belong to you but that kind of begs the question like who does it belong to like it's the night like you know i i watched um the langoliers at a very young impressionable age and molly have you seen it i've seen part of it okay i didn't find it particularly scary <laughs> anyways but. um but i mean it, it takes place in an airport i believe um, well they're on an airplane and they some of them fall asleep and all the ones who fell asleep stay and all the ones who like so they wake up and everyone else is gone gone that's basically all i remember right yeah i mean so so basically the the idea is that they flew through some kind of portal they're stuck in the past they're stuck in like the static frame of time like if you think of time as like you know a advancing pane of windows like they just got stuck in an earlier one so part of that's like they have to figure out how to get out of there before the langoliers which are like eat up the past do it but like for a large portion of the movie it's just them kind of wandering around this completely vacant this dead mm-hmm. silent airport uh, which i found super duper scary um probably because i mean i think i saw a tumblr post at some point talking about like liminal spaces about um spaces we deeply associate with a particular time or day like a very deeply associate with some certain temporal element such that when we see them in outside of the element we 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 feel displaced we feel like it's not right yeah um like yeah like an abandoned shopping mall is such a classic example i mean the airport's a great example the second scariest thing that uh (laughs) like a situation i've been in that's like a horror movie was when i stayed overnight in an airport um and i couldn't check in so i was just sort of on the outer part of the airport where like anybody can come into and i was sitting pretty much alone in sort of a dark corner and just hearing every now and then somebody walk by Mm -hmm. um and like that was terrifying (laughs) um for exactly what you're saying like it just that's not you know i've been to airports so many times and they're bustling and there's people and there's light and there's things happening and so for everything to be closed everyone to be gone except me and someone out there like Mm -hmm. that was really spooky (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know i think in a way yeah and we we've drifted off the topic of it follows but it's certainly we talked about it for quite a while yeah yeah i mean i was gonna say like it's certainly taps into a lot of things we've been talking about mm-hmm. um and you know for any people out there with things to go like you know ideas to explore this is a rich one mm-hmm. um just lots of nothing um and i think it's interesting also thinking about how comforting it can be to like be in a car like someone else is driving you're in a car and you're just like watching the streets go by at night um but that's also, you know, the, the situation is different. Like, you have someone else with you, um, and you're in a car. Like, there's a lot of studies on how people see cars as extensions of themselves, as, like, this warm cocoon uh, to, to keep you from dangerous. 
Uh, we also recently watched Get Out, um, which is one of the kind of breakout m- movies of the last year, I want to say. I mean, I think it was like the highest grossing, one of the highest grossing films of the year. Like everyone I know saw it. It was huge. I mean, it was a huge smash success. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. <laughs> I apparently don't talk loud enough. No, I think I think you're you've been talking more quietly because it's nighttime and you're just like you're like the the inside voice, the bedroom voice. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> um okay, so get out. Yeah, so I wanted to I mean it, uh I guess I guess as a quick summary for those who who don't know what it is, uh it's a film was it written by or directed by? Written and directed written, by Jordan Peele. Written and directed by Jordan Peele. Uh, about a young black man who goes to see his white girlfriend's family, only it's extremely sinister. Yeah, it's um, it, it starts out being um, sort of like, you're like, okay, her family's going to be racist. And they are. Um... But the but, forms that that racism takes are beyond what you expect. Right. Um, and I think just leading up to the release of the movie, there was a lot of... Um, I think I think people just really got it. Like, it was about the... Like, racism is a real horror. But, but really, like, you don't know what the... Like, part of what horror is about. It's like these you don't know what to expect, you don't know what forms it will take, and you really don't expect the forms it takes in Get Out. Um, but, like, you you know going in it's a bad situation. You know, like, they're going to be kind of racist, um, your white, you know, uh, girlfriend's parents. You don't know how that will manifest, and you don't know, like, will you be able to leave? Like, you know, you don't know how you, whether you're going to be escaped unscathed. Mm-hmm. You don't know how that's going to work. And it's such an effective, I think it's just a, such an effective movie for, for uh, th- based on taking that uh, unease. I think there's a, there's a famous line, well, okay, there's a line in the movie where um, the main character is like, oh, you know, you know how it is with, like, you never feel comfortable with all these white people around. And I think that's just so... And he's saying this to another black, like, he's, he meets another black man in this very, very white affluent um waspy area mm-hmm. at, at sort of a party he meets another black guy and he's like he's like oh you know you get does he say it to him oh he, or says, does that, he, say he to, says that to georgina oh he says it to, sorry he says it to the um the black uh housekeeper mm-hmm. um and he says yeah he says you know too many white people around i get antsy yeah and i, and I think it's it's very funny because up until there's a significant stretch of the movie where it's just these people being white people uh, being extremely weird but and off. But, like, you don't know if that offness is predicated on, um, like, maybe a, maybe a fractional lack of humanity uh, that they, that they that, like, they're predicated on the fact that they see you as lacking some fractional part of humanity that makes you... Not necessarily worse than them, but like less worthy of consideration in a ineffable way that they would deny if you called them out on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, couple things. One, I think it's very interesting that you're sort of immediately jumping into using second person to describe like 
You know what I'm saying? You're saying, like, you know, they think this about you, they do this about you. Um, Because I I, I understand the impulse, because the movie really, really wants you, I think, to, um, like, identify with the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you really root for him. You really just, like, you're with him 100% all the way. Um, which I think is not something that you see often, certainly in horror movies, but also just in a lot of movies where a black man gets to be that, you know, the the hero, the one you identify with, the one you... Um, but then there are also... I mean, there are all kinds of questions about who gets to identify what ha- with things and... Mm-hmm. Um, I it think, gets very complicated. No, I but mean, uh, but yeah, I think I think it is definitely a powerful sense of. I mean, we were screaming, we were cheering, we were like, we we wanted him to like succeed and win and like get out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Molly brings up like a great point too. Is that uh, following the wake of Get Out, there is a lot of there was a lot of conversation. Like every single person watching the movie puts themselves in his foot like you know even the people who are like very racist or very mm-hmm. um who who could be the armitages uh if not if like not for a certain sense of ambition and like hypnotism <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> i think and i think it is like telling that i immediately jumped to using um the second person when you could say, like, I don't necessarily have the right to. Um, like, I think the the sources of racial discomfort, I feel, are significantly different. Like, the, the way that um, East Asian Americans are treated <coughs> are different than those of, you know, African American or Black Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I'm a, a white woman, so <laughs> if, if I'm anybody in the movie, it's... Except, I, well, I mean, yes. Like, I think, I think... I think, I think we are supposed to feel, I think we are supposed to identify him and also feel discomfort with identifying with him. I think they're, I don't know. I think we as in like us specifically. Us specifically, you and right, I. Right, right. Um, not, the, not the royal we. Yeah. Um, because I think it's similar to um, what Claudia Rankine does in her, um, in her book Citizen, which is uh, poetry and criticism. And it's almost entirely written in the second person. So it's addressing you. And it's, it only makes sense. She's a black um, poet, woman. Um, and, and it only makes sense that the you that she is describing is a black person. Um, so it, it, in a way, um, maybe intentionally, you know, trying to... Um, make white people or non-black people reading it feel a little bit um, uncomfortable, like a little bit like, like she, marginalized right. the way that Gloria Anzaldúa uses Spanish to like make um, people who don't speak Spanish like feel a little bit like, oh, this isn't necessarily for me. But at the same time, it's a challenge to identify with the, the humanity and the uh, narrative of a black person and like really put your sort of like um not not saying this is my experience but um no i think that's a good, really interesting point like this the idea that um the creation of uh, a viewer who is unlike you like 
giving like like you said with call you, with citizen uh the idea like as if you're a non-black person reading it understanding or constructing that reader that she is addressing and understanding yourself to be um an interloper and maybe you know one that's allowed to eavesdrop or like an eavesdropper right mm -hmm. um one that's allowed that's might have um permission to be there but fundamentally someone who is uh not just like who who isn't what it's for and like to to construct both sides of like both the author and the reader um in your mind i think that's a really good point it's like the the purposeful construction of an audience mm -hmm. um and i think it's it's so interesting to me like after get out came out um a lot of people were sharing this quote on twitter which was like you know, everyone who watches Dumbo thinks they're Dumbo. Like, even the bullies think they're Dumbo. Yeah. Like, no one thinks they're the bullies. Yeah. Um, and that this specific act of... I'm not... And I'm not, like... Yeah, like, this specific act of identification, like, in some ways even weakens the point of Get Out, maybe in, like, a certain context. Like, the people feel that they're... I'm completely forgetting his name, but... <laughs> that they're him and they don't they're and they don't see themselves because the armitages are cartoonishly evil um mm -hmm. they don't see themselves as complicit uh but you know it's also maybe worth saying worth saying that like they don't uh jordan peele change the end like famously kind of changed the ending from something originally much darker because he he felt like people kind of like got it in a sense like people kind of would understand what uh a police like you know a police siren a police light means for him in the final scenes without having to follow through so i'm avoiding like the more major spoilers but i kind of feel like we have to talk about some of the more major spoilers. okay fine so. let's let's okay this let's is the it. spoilery territory because i think yeah I, th I think it's it's a really careful careful um, way of, way of, um, addressing an audience. Um, and I don't, like, I don't know who Jordan Peele sort of thought his audience would be. I don't know if he thought it would be primarily black. Um, but it hasn't been. It's been a huge range of people. Like I said, it's a hugely popular movie. Um, and I think in terms of identification, like, I think, I think even as that's encouraged by the structure of the film, Mm -hmm. um, to identify with and root for Chris is his name. Chris. Chris. Um, at the same time, there's this very intense lesson within it about, um, you know, white, the, what would they call, you know, the white love of blackness, right? Mm -hmm. The, mm -hmm. the, um, so basically the big twist, one of the big twists in the movie, I'd say there are two major ones. Uh -huh. Um, the, 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 one of them is that the Armitage's, Armitage? Mm -hmm. The Armitage's are not just hypnotizing um, sort of these black people that they uh, kidnap, kidnap um, into sort of becoming their uh, servants or becoming their, um, I mean, sex slaves or whatever. Um, but they actually are doing some sort of like transplant like some like some kind of brain transplant yeah that that puts like the consciousness of 
a white person, a wealthy white person who pays for it, basically, into the body of a black person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, a little bit of that that person remains, but only a very, very small amount. Like, a little bit of, like... I mean... just just It's just enough to, like, drive home the horror aspects. Yeah. There's a bit of them, like, passively, you know, being John Malkovich, like, yeah. as a passenger. Like, unable to... See, being able to see what the what their captor is doing with their body but unable to interact right and it's and it's very much about this um you know because they they want to um be a better athlete and like be in a young strong body but specifically a black body Mm -hmm. um because they want to be sort of a beautiful younger black woman because they want to have a or be a sort of like black lover um Mm -hmm. and it's it's definitely working on these um, I mean, this very, very historical narrative about, like, how white whiteness has sort of come to value blackness, but it's this constructed version of blackness that, um, you know, really, it, 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 I mean, I don't want to say the word appreciates, but uh, values, and by values, I do mean monetarily values black bodies mm-hmm. for particular purposes, but has no regard whatsoever for black humanity mm-hmm. personhood right um and i think i so i think even as the movie sort of encourages in identification in ways i also think there's that lesson built in about um you know about the the sort of like false white love of blackness or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it over right. identification right, That's right. A way understatement but i mean this it's it's the conversation that we've been having about appropriation racism uh the the way that the media strives to collect outputs of black labor without crediting the creators mm-hmm. um and this is something that's happened kind of over and over again but you know the very easy thing that comes to mind is like miley cyrus uh came under fire for mm-hmm. that uh i want to say Taylor Swift also did? Yeah, a little bit Taylor Swift mm-hmm. um, in her Shake It Off music video. Um, but Miley Cyrus was the main one. A little bit Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's been other, like, Kim Kardashian or right, right. Kardashians. Like, it's just, I mean, it's, it's ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, and we're making this comment, uh, they're making the comment about, uh, like, one, one, one of the white guests is like, Black is a is in yeah, oh, and I think, and I and I think it it does do and there are some there are some really truly good articles about Get Out, um that touch upon this topic as well. But, uh, the way the the winner of the bid, um, he's like, I'm not racist. Like I don't want like a black body or whatever. I just like I just want your eyes. But like, without acknowledging like the fact of taking over someone else's like denying someone's mm-hmm. personhood like the in like this pure like profit motive self motive like like i'm not that kind of evil i'm this kind of evil like misses the point and like it's a like the profit motive is the way a lot of people dismiss racism there's they say well sure like it's it looks racist but it's really like the best way for them to earn money uh which is like Congrat! Like you're you're tapping into all of the like you know the byproducts of racism, and you're right. like 
Like, what? Capitalism and racism are intertwined? Right, yeah. It's like, oh, it's like, you can't get mad at them. Like, they're just trying to make money. It's like, there's, like, why do do you Mm -hmm. think, like, you know, why are you saying that making money is such a pure goal? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can't blame them for trying to make a buck. Like, yes, I can. Yeah. Like, I absolutely can blame them. Um... Yeah, so I think I think that's the other thing about Get Out, and sorry, this is the other big twist. Um, but I think it's like, and in, I would I would argue this is the most horrifying, terrifying moment is when Chris realizes that his girlfriend Rose has been in on it the entire time, that she has been manipulating him for four months right five Mm, months something like that um that she lured him back there that she's done it with other black men that like she is an integral part of the plan of the plan of his like murder and dehumanization and brand transplantation right yeah um and it speaks to like I think it speaks to, obviously, I would say, like, the, the, the just general deep-seated fear of, like, the person you love betraying you. Like, mm-hmm. that that sort of deep betrayal. But I think it also speaks, like, obviously. This isn't saying anything uh, profound. But, you know, I think it also speaks to, like, the very reasonable sort of black distrust of whiteness. And, like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's a particular historical relationship between black men and white women that is complicated, um, and, and it makes this sort of thing, um, even more understandable, I would say, or, like, Mm -hmm. even more, I would say that the, the relationship between Chris and Rose, um, fits into that historical narrative Mm -hmm. of, um, of black and white women, or black, sorry, black men and white women, Mm -hmm. um, but I would say in general, just, just the, the general, like, uh, um, the 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 fear of the the sort of person you've come to trust, or the person if you, mm-hmm. you let your guard down, saying you again, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a black person l- like lets their guard down, or like let somebody in. Um, and Rose repeatedly does all these things that like make it seem like she's, you know, Innocent. she's not racist. She's, um, you know, she stands up for him against a police officer, and she like calls out her family for being awful, and um she sort of does all the things you're supposed to do in order to be not racist. And yet she is the thing that, you know, brought Chris there. And that, um, ultimately is preventing him from leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but I just think like, to me, that's like, that's like, that is a horror thing. And that is a horror thing that is not, you know, metaphorical really like mm-hmm. that is real mm-hmm. um like very very real yeah um and i think some one of the criticisms i did hear about the movie was that rose is a little bit too villainous like she's too straightforward like oh it was all an act i was all like trying to lure you here and like sort of similar to the the grander theory that like the armitages were like it was like a specific branch of criticism saying they're too over the top but like that yeah. means like people don't see like the rose like they don't see the way that rose is at fault for like doing like this performative wokeness without like 
like in a literal like performance mm-hmm. without absorbing the lessons of it mm-hmm. um but no i mean i think i think those are all great points <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i thought it was an excellent movie um and i never thought i would think allison williams was like particularly good in anything um she did not overwhelm me on uh on girls but uh she was really good in this like mm-hmm. you yeah she you got she, handed to her she did a good job um this is why you can't date actors like how do you how do you trust them you can't trust them um okay we're hitting up against an hour and we haven't even done our you know usual segment is there anything else we want to touch on no i think i mean i think that's it i think i was just doing kind of a, a deeper dive into these two horror classics that I both recommend. Um, I'm sorry if we spoiled Get Out, but we did put a warning. Oh, definitely said spoiler. And, like, <laughs> I just, I think to talk about, like, what Get Out is doing. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Like, I just don't know how you do it without talking it, about, it like, those It is very parts. difficult. Um, oh, this is, this is not related. This is just, if you hadn't heard, I was reading a thing where Jordan Peele said that the, what, the Sunken Place? Mm-hmm. He, he said that it was the Middle Passage, which is the, uh, what, what the, the, the slave trade, the Atlantic slave trade, the, oh. the Middle Passage is what it's called, the, um, oh, I see, okay, the route from Africa I to, completely forgot, um, yeah, that, but that makes sense, it was, there's a lot of, like, water, yeah, visuals, yeah, so, just, just another layer to sort of Absolutely. think through, <laughs> Um, all right, so should we briefly say what we've been up reading? to in the last yeah, I mean, couple I guess, days? I guess, yeah, it's only been a couple days since we recorded the last one. Well, that's fair. I mean, I'm, um, I mean, Molly has lent me the Argonauts and the red, the red places. The red parts. The red parts, um, for my trip to, back to Taiwan, uh, which I look forward to reading a lot. Uh, if you remember, Molly recommended the red parts extremely highly in our last mm-hmm. two podcasts ago, and I look forward to reading it. I also downloaded Stardew Valley in preparation for going back to Taiwan uh, and, you know, for the, the plane trip. Um, so I haven't done a lot of work uh, because it's been like three days, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of things I'm looking for. So ingesting. Um, so I am. Oh, I just downloaded the audiobook. So I have like a million Audible credits because I forgot I had an account and it just kept accumulating. Um, I'm clearly not very good with my finances. Um, but so I had a bunch of Audible credits and they sent me an email being like, you need to use these because you can't just keep holding them. <laughs> um, so I downloaded the audiobook of Anne Leckie's new, uh, new book, Provenance, Provenance. Um, and I'm not super far in, maybe like four chapters, but I'm really, really enjoying it. Hmm. Um, she's, she's fun. Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's a really uh, exciting premise, and it sort of takes place in the same world as the um, Imperial Rat... Rat... Ratch. Ratch. The Ancillary Justice books, um, but uh, the same general sort of universe, I guess, mm-hmm. but very different characters and totally different part of space, I think. Um, yeah, so that... I downloaded a few other audiobooks that I have not started listening to, um, including Carrie Fisher's... Uh, the Princess Diarist, which are her diaries from when she was on the set of Star Wars back in back in the seventies. Um, 
And I started reading Go Down Moses by William Faulkner, and I'm not loving it so far, but who knows? Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. 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 Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, remember to contact us at, at on Twitter, at StoryGutsCast, mm -hmm. uh, no spaces, <laughs> or um, StoryGutsCast at gmail.com. Uh, we're always open for suggestions, uh, comments, um, or questions, or whatever, whatever form of inquiry you want to show our way. And if you leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be great. Subscribe. Subscribe. Um, oh, the other thing to note is that our next episode, so this is the Halloween, October 30th episode, our next episode, which will be November 11th, 13th, 14th, something like that, um, in two weeks. That one will probably go up late because Alice won't be back from Taiwan yet. Mm -hmm. um, she'll be back like that day, I think. So we'll probably get that episode up later in the week. Yeah. Um, so just so you know. Right. Or we'll just we'll just put up, you know, a candid one hour long recording of nothing. <sighs> That's fair. I suppose or I could I could find a guest, fill your slot. <laughs> You're like, no, I liked her better than you. Sorry. Sorry yeah. so Can I borrow your microphone and laptop? <laughs> You're like, okay, sure, fine. Just take my name off the header. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. I'm Molly Curran. And I'm Alice Sly. This has been Story Guts. And stay hungry. Well, I'm